Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Thursday, January 19th, 2023, 7 p.m. Central Time on the Dots. My name is RJ Otro. We are live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel for the second Blog and the Boys roundtable of the week. Second because for the second time, it is a playoff week for the Dallas Cowboys. Victorious on Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking to do the same on Sunday afternoon against the San Francisco 49ers. Looking to get to the NFC Championship game and beyond for the first time in 27 years. I am not alone. With me uh, is a, a... you know, a smorgasbord, a cast of characters from throughout the blog and the boys universe. You can see here, read all of these gentlemen all again across the BTB lore. Uh, Tom Ryle, one of the OGs when it comes to blog and the boys, seriously, one of the uh, founding fathers, I would say. Tom, welcome. It's been a while since you graced us with your presence here on the round table. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Been just, you know, things just keep coming up, but I'm glad to glad to drop back in, especially on such a joyous week. Do you feel like the quality has improved or worsened since you were last year? Oh, it can only get better. Well said. Kevin, Tom offers you five points uh, because Kevin missed you, Tom. So you are out to an early lead. Uh, Our inspiration for the evening is the same as it was last Thursday, our second roundtable of that week. Brandon, Lori, tonight you do get to go by Brandon. Brandon, uh, it's a very, you know, mental sort of thing for me to you have too many names you know it's it's you know there's some people who go by their last names and stuff and they have cool nicknames you're just one of those people uh you have come dressed for the occasion although nobody knows what it is quite yet um did you have that handkerchief lying around the house uh i did uh yeah the outfit will make more sense in a few minutes but yeah sometimes my name causes mental gymnastics so i listen uh, it's it's understandable Mm. All the way from across the pond. That is the stereotypical introduction for Paul Stewart. You hear him every Saturday on the world's team with Meg Murray. Uh, truly does represent the Dallas Cowboys outside of, uh, I was going to say the continental United States, but it's not like you're in Alaska or Hawaii, Paul. A citizen of the world. Uh, welcome once again, Paul. We miss you in your beautiful voice. Thank you very much. Um, Jess, Brandon, by the way, has given you five points uh for the swag is jess's middle name marie did you know that are you on that close of a basis with her i I believe so yeah okay all right uh johnny boy by the way says looks like we're all getting riled up tonight welcome back tom riled up one of the shows on the blog on the boys podcast network we actually had a huge edition of the podcast network on thursday we had the ocho with myself uh presented by righteous fallen craft jerky we did have riled up we had a second episode of the nfc east mixtape where rob stats guerrera from niners nation joined me and brandon gowden and of course this second episode of the roundtable tony catalina uh next week on your show on the blog and the voice podcast network you'll be reacting to a game as opposed to previewing it like you were this past monday are you anxious about the uh, days to come tony absolutely i mean I, I would love to be able to talk about a win and doing something we haven't done in 27 years so i I really don't want the ladder to happen uh watsamata has given five points for all the people wearing overtly dallas cowboy swag tony and paul you both have hats paul you have a t-shirt tom does have a jacket uh chris hauling you i feel like are are normally dressed in in cowboys paraphernalia you have the michael parsons jersey over your shoulder for the podcast audience but um you didn't come dressed and and you missed out on five points for that you're on mute though chris so it's okay you got to do over right there 
I was going to say, you know, it's a shame I didn't uh, get my Cowboys gear on in time, but I don't need the extra five points. I'm still going to win regardless. Look so. at this. The bravado has started to seep in across Cowboys Nation. I don't know if it's the continual national doubting of Dak Prescott or the propping up of Brock Purdy or whatever the case may be. Um, it, I do think, um, Tony, is it a different kind of anxiousness this week? I feel like we all wanted to throw up all of last week, and I don't think any of us are, are confident, but, but it, is it different or is it the same? Like, how do you feel? It's different. It definitely is because last week, like you said, it was nervousness. I, I mean, by all metrics, the Cowboys were a better football team and they should have won that game. But now you look at it, it's like, okay, we've gotten to this point before. Now it's like, can we get over this hurdle? So it's a, it's like a different feeling. Like we understand the challenge in front of us with the 49ers, but like we're so close. We're knocking on that door. Is there a way to kind of kick it down? And uh, that's what brings that whole uh, anxiousness this week. Uh, Chris, you were given five points from Zachary for the confidence. And Chris, I want to ask you something. Mitchell says, happy to see you guys doing another show. You did two and we won last week. So keep the good times going. Do you have, and you've posted about this on your Instagram story before. Do you have any superstitions, anything you wear, anything you have to do on Dallas Cowboys game day or following a win or anything of the sort? I'm not superstitious. I don't know. I, I used to back when I was a little bit younger, but you know, I realized after watching so many games that, you know, sometimes like if I wear one thing, we still win anyway. So, you know, I'm not really that superstitious. One thing I will do is I'll make sure I stay in the same spot though. Like I won't like change, like change rooms or something, you know, mm. like if the first half is going really well, like I got to stay there. I can't go upstairs or downstairs. Like, like I'm staying where I'm at. Okay. That makes sense. I used to, when I was like in high school, I would wear my cap forwards on offense backwards on defense and i turn it sideways okay. like for a punt or a kick i don't think that's a, a rare thing king trill says bring on san francisco let's bring on the subject for the night uh once again my job was very easy i had nothing to do all i did was uh take brandon's idea and tell it to everybody so brandon laurie please for the second thursday in a row tell us the theme of tonight's holy crap uh <laughs> tonight's round table uh I, you did suggest everybody uh wear a cowboy hat and tony and paul indirectly followed your advice uh, but so uh, please tell us the game that we're playing here this evening. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely another creative one. I love inspiration for all this stuff. It, it ties in with the San Francisco week, but uh, the game's going to be called Digging for Gold. And, you know, we're going back in time, as a lot of Cowboys fans love to do, uh, revisiting the history of the 1990s dynasty, all of that good stuff. But this time we're going back in time further than the 1990s. I'm talking about the 1850s. Uh, we along with RJ, are a bunch of cowboys heading out to California during the Gold Rush era with hopes of finding treasure. And in this scenario, it is pursuing the Lombardi Trophy. RJ will lead us, as always, as the head prospector, while the rest of us will bring what we find, and that's either statements, facts, questions, golden nuggets, if you will, uh, whatever. And RJ, along with the rest of the group, uh, will tell us if it's of value or just simply fool's gold, something just not to believe in. So, again, we're, we're trying to find all possible things here. Some might be of a lot of value and some might just be simply fabricated fool's gold. Paul Stewart, um, you very, very, you know, on the subject of paraphernalia, um, you very famously have worn your, your Scottish kilt to Cowboys games when you have attended them um, here in the States. Do you feel like a Scottish cowboy at this point in time? Well, I've kind of been now named that now for several people now, so I guess, right. I'll, just, I guess I'll just take that on now as known as the Scottish Cowboy now. Right on. Tom, um, Brandon, you know, this this subject in this game is really great, but there is some, like, deepness to this, right? Like, there is something to the prosperity of, of the Cowboys, like, heading out west, right? Like, the, the land of prosperity, the land of hope, the land of opportunity. I mean, like, that's where the Cowboys are, are, are trying to get to, and, and they've done it before here. So, like, you know, Jerry Jones is an, an oil man. I mean, why can't you you strike twice in the same spot? Well, 
I mean, he, you know, that's just another kind of prospector. So this may be very suiting for the Cowboys. I'm the prospector, uh, Tom, to be very clear. Okay. All right. But you're not the only prospector. You're In just our world, lead prospector here. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I really think this would be such a great discovery for the Cowboys to finally break through to that NFC championship game level. Uh, it, it would really be a major strike for this team that has had so many dry holes lately. And it's really exciting because after last week, when we came in with so many worries and concerns, there is a feeling that this is a good matchup for the Cowboys. And I, I think I love that also, as Michael Parson observed, the Cowboys are coming in as underdogs. Most people seem to be picking the 49ers to win. And I think the team does feed off of that. So, mm. yeah, this is something to look forward to. Tom, Zachary Maldonado says that you do kind of look like the prospector off of Toy Story 2, uh, the one that very infamously um, tried to keep Woody and prohibit him from living um, a free life, uh, a free life um, for that of a toy at the very least. Uh, okay, Brandon, get us started. Since this is your game, kind of set the stage for everybody. Uh, your first haul, your first, you know, drilling, whatever the case may be. Let's get going. Yeah, I got I got a little golden nugget here, and, and it might be more of like a small gem. Um, not entirely sure yet if it has any value or, you know, what will happen, but to me, I've discovered that the special teams, I think, will be the deciding factor uh, in this game. And I say that because we did see what happened against the Tampa Bay Bucks, where Brett Maher missed a few extra points, you know, four straight. That's never a good thing. But I'm looking at it as what happens if he misses the first one? What happens if he misses a second one or, or half? Um, to me, that that creates a situation where the Cowboys are going to be going for it more on fourth down, more two point conversions. And if they're failed attempts, you're leaving points now on the board. Um, on the field so in a game like this where it could be very very close against the 49ers one point three points that could really make the difference but on the flip side I do think somebody like Kevontae Turpin when he had that kick return for 35 yards I, I thought that, that jump started the Cowboys final drive and put them in good field position I think that field position also too against the 49ers with Brian Anger pinning a rookie quarterback deep in his own end zone I think that can create a lot of chaos and when you're trying to keep things close steal possessions maybe force a turnover I think all of the special teams combined could be playing a big factor this weekend Tony Catalina um, it's not a secret that Cowboys Twitter we can kind of encompass the fan base you know in that way yeah it can be a toxic place right like the, the, it can be a divisive place in a lot of ways um I have to say I am so impressed with the fan base and how everyone has almost in unison rallied behind Brett Maher I, I have personally not seen what a bum get him out of here cut him etc I've seen nothing but like no they have to stick with him he's been awesome etc cetera, etc cetera. and that was even before the CD Lamb clip that went viral and everybody saw because um, sometimes that can kind of sway people. Um, and and the man says six for six today in the wind. We're with you, Brett. Like it does feel like like there is this just this energy hovering around the special teams group because of Brett Maher, Tony. Absolutely. I think uh, they understand the body of work and kind of his road to get to where he's at. I mean, we all understand it's well documented what the special teams look like going into the season. And he kind of settled that and made that seem like more of a plus than, you know, than something that we thought was really going to be a minus. So, of course, the situation is tough and he, you, you never want to see anybody go through that, whether it's week four or in the wild card round. Uh, you like to see him kind of get over that. And I feel 
really good about the fact that he was able to knock through the, the last one. And, you know, just for mental purposes, I think that's super important. But you're right. This fan base is rallying around a guy that uh, the Cowboys and the fans know they're going to need him. If we're if we're going to go where we want to go, he needs to put it together and the, to see the team rally around him and to see the fan base really kind of take him under their wings and just make him one of theirs. It's a really positive sign for this fan base. Chris Hollings, somebody who's a little bit on the other end of the spectrum with the fan base is Cavante Turpin. The the days of the preseason returns in Los Angeles are so far in the rearview mirror, right? Like the the you know all of the glitz and glamour has worn off. I think some for some people they're a little bit more down on Cavante than they've ever been. Last week he had the nice return, but you know the the muff against Houston, the, the, you know the everything has just kind of lived recently in the minds of Cowboys fans. Do you could you see this being the game? Like we keep saying, like this is going to be the one. Cavante Turpin's going to bring one to the house. I could definitely see this being the game. And I mean, this is the kind of game where the Cowboys could really use something like that. But also, I think I think people are starting to kind of cool off on him because I think he had crazy expectations heading into this season. I think people were acting like he was going to put together like a Devin Hester career or something right. when it came to returning. Like, I think people put too much on his shoulders. I mean, this is his first year in the NFL. I think he's done a great job, you know, in in the big scheme of things outside of just his couple of uh you know, muffs, but you know, like overall, I could see this being the game. I really hope it is, but you know, he doesn't even have to return it. Just, just flipping field position for the Cowboys. You know, if a punt goes deep in, you know, like inside our territory, just being able to bring it maybe back to the 40 or the 50 could be huge against this kind of a defense. Tom, uh, back to Brett Maher. I, I thought about something. Um, so this week, and I heard this on, on Dallas Cowboys Daily. Everybody can listen to Jess. She gets everybody caught up with the latest and greatest news, notes, and nuggets. Um, Bones Bones Fossil was asked if, if he wanted Brett Maher to be the team's kicker this week. He said, hell yeah. And like that kind of riled me up. You know what I mean? I was like, all right, cool. And then I remembered last year when Greg Zerline was struggling. And I don't know if any of you remember uh, John Fossil kind of compared Greg Zerline to Tiger Woods. And we were all like, get the hell. Like It was the dumbest thing we had ever heard at the time. And it really, Tom, does kind of show the power of winning, right? Like, it, it's a similarly silly, you know, kind of statement or whatever. But because the Cowboys are winning, because they're coming off of a playoff game, it's cool now where it was lame a year ago. Yeah, I think the winning has affected so much. And, you know, was watching the the whole sound, sounds from the sideline clip. This week and was the best ever, by the way. It was it the best one. They possibly, ever. yes. I, I love the one where the caption said that was actually a web series. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love the captions are, are as much fun as anything else about that. But this winning has permeated the team. I think this was always a pretty close knit bunch, but the winning has really they, they've drawn together, and you just can feel the support they have all across the the whole roster. I think that was great for Mar. I'm I'm really feeling pretty good that this was just a major blip for him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just excited because this team's self-confidence is evident. And I think that can be very important in a situation like this. Paul, um, we've touched on Brett Maher. We've touched on Kevontae Turpin. No disrespect to Matt Overton, but the other person of note is Brian Anger. And yeah. I think... I think the first quarter could be kind of a toxic place for Cowboys Twitter because it's it's not going to be this like up and down the field, high levels of success that we saw on Monday night against Tampa. So there is going to be this stress of like, what are you doing punting? You know, this it shocker here. This is a very good team that they're about to face. But Brian Anger is important in that sense. This is one of the best, if not the best defenses in the NFL. Brian Anger could could win this game for the Cowboys by setting them up favorably when the defense is on the field. Absolutely. I mean, Brian Anger's over the course of this season, he's managed to keep a like 
just like, like really like high expectations in terms of like punting the ball and really close to their end zone. So he's actually put us in really more favorable position uh, for the opposing offenses. So, um, but yeah, um, I think it's really important for Brian Andrew to like continue what he's been doing all season going forward. Mm. All right, Tony Catalina, let's hear your heading out west, mining for gold, take, nugget, whatever you want. Yeah, so I don't have a nugget, but I definitely have a take. Um, and I have nothing but respect for Kyle Shanahan and what he's able to scheme up with that oh offense. But I, I just feel like everything we've seen from Brock Purdy is a mirage. I think eventually the the um, we're going to find out who the Wizard of Oz is and we're going to take a peek behind that curtain and find out that uh, the Cowboys going to be able to ruffle that feather and... Um, yeah, I think I think everything we saw from Brock Purdy and he's gotten lucky a few times. I know that we all watched the NFC Wild Card matchup against the Seahawks. He threw some balls that were caught and some balls that weren't caught that were like a hair away from being interceptions and being disastrous for that team. That first half was a very highly contested football game before, you know, Debo Samuel and and Christian McCaffrey were able to kind of take away from that. I think the Cowboys have enough on the defensive side of the ball. I think Dan Quinn has a plan of attack, and I think that they're going to be able to frustrate Purdy and really uh, cause him to look like the seventh-round pick Mr. Irrelevant that he is. Uh, you mentioned the Wizard of Oz, the Yellow Brick Road. I think the implication was it was made of gold. Um, and so, you know, that indirectly kind of ties in here. So well done, Tony Candelina. Uh, Brandon, um, a, a colleague of mine here at SB Nation, Rob Stats Guerrero, works at Niners Nation, our San Francisco 49ers side. Again, he was on a, a bonus episode of the NFC's Mixtape this week. He has said something all year that I've seen uh, on Twitter when Niners fans have talked about, oh, no, we've got to play insert whatever team. And Stats has always said, they've got to play us. And I, I hate that he got to that line for us because I really liked it. Um, but so I'm going to use it here. To Tony's point, it does kind of feel like, cool, Brock Purdy, you've had all this success. Cool, Kyle Shanahan. You haven't seen this Cowboys defense, this Cowboys defense that, that you embarrassed last year and that were so mad, that were so frustrated that they forged in the darkness a new version of themselves that is here at your house now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think Micah Parsons was talking about this as well. J. Ron Curse, the whole locker room says that, you know, while the 49ers, we haven't played them, they haven't played us all season and they haven't played a team like us. Jess Navarro is my co-host. Uh, she's been talking about all year that everything she kind of hears in the locker room has been leading up to this point. Like they know, they remember that the 49ers ended their season last year. And I think that has stuck with them throughout this entire regular season playoff run. And they're actually using it almost as like their motivation, their fire. And Tony kind of took my little nugget. I was thinking more of a fool's gold that, you know, when people are comparing Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, how they think Brock Purdy is the better quarterback, that to me doesn't really line up because, yes, he has five-game winning streak or six games, whatever it is, but he hasn't proven the NFL success. He hasn't had any struggles. And I do think that this defense, Micah Parsons, everybody else on the back end, can cause a lot of frustration. And like Tony mentioned, it was a great point. Brock Purdy looked flustered in, in the first few series against the Seahawks. And while it did end in points, I do think that you saw erratic passes, a couple throws that should have been intercepted if players were in better position. So I do think that Brock Purdy being the better quarterback in this situation, let's just see what happens when the Cowboys defense goes against them, when Dan Quinn and his experience as a defensive coordinator is implemented on, on a rookie seventh-round quarterback. Chris Holling, what would you say your confidence is for this game on a 1-10 to 10 scale, with 10 being the most? Nine. Would it be a 10 if you were a Niners fan? No. What would no, it be? I would... If I was a Niners fan, like like facing us, right. um, oh, yeah, like if, if yeah. it was flipped, yeah, like if, if it was flipped, maybe like a like a four or five. They haven't played anyone like us yet. I really feel confident that like we're gonna be able to beat that team. But what is the reason? Is it Brock Purdy? Because that that's what I think the argument is. If you want to make that yeah. argument, which is kind of what you're trying, you know, 
you are yeah. indirectly trying to do. Is it Brock Purdy in like, hey, if we rattle that cage, like it's never been rattled before. And that that makes this an entirely different conversation than even last year. Not that any of us think Jimmy Garoppolo is an able quarterback, but he had seen a lot of things and done a lot of things in the NFL where Brock Purdy hasn't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, because of Brock Purdy. I was looking at the schedule that Brock Purdy has faced this season. He's played the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Cardinals twice, Miami, Tampa Bay, Seahawks, Commanders, and Raiders. None of those defenses have near Micah Parsons. None of them have a Trayvon Diggs who can intercept the ball in the air the way he can. Like, like this defense is much better than any defense that Brock Purdy's had to face. And I really think that because of that, he's going to get rattled and he's going to show why he was uh, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. The only top 10 defense that Brock Purdy has faced in his brief time um, that ranks in top 10 in EPA per play is the Commanders. Um, and so, I mean, look, they blasted the Bucks too. And we're sitting here like feeling tall after the Cowboys did that. So, you know, there's a lot of context that is necessary. Paul, Watsamata, thank you for the Super Chat, says, if the San Francisco offensive line cannot big boy our run D, then it's Dan Quinn versus the rookie quarterback. We win that, which is what we're all kind of agreeing with here. So can they big boy our run defense? Do you think the Cowboys defensive line, Paul, can beat the 49ers offensive line. I think you were muted. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, tough uh, night for the mute scene. Yes. Yeah. yeah d- absolutely. I mean, with like Michael Parsons and the, the Marcus Lawrence and that, I find they, they have enough tools in the arsenal within the defensive line to really put pressure on like so Trent Williams and the rest of our O line. So I think it, this game in both sides for our offense as well, I think it is really going to be a battle of the trenches. Really, Tom, um, obviously, Micah Parsons is an important person and an important character in this game. I would I, I mean, I'm sort of like just now getting to this point. So I'm kind of thinking it out loud as I'm telling you. I would kind of argue that Demarcus Lawrence is the most important defender in this game for the Cowboys, because we're sitting here saying, like, if you can take away the run, then then you really put this game in Brock Purdy's hands. And like that's Demarcus Lawrence's thing. For those of us who have fought the good fight and said Demarcus Lawrence is an elite run defender, quit looking at just the sack numbers. This is it, D-Law. This is it, Tank. This is your moment to shine. Yeah, he does have help, though. They got Jonathan Hankins back, and I think that was tremendous. Uh, Osa Digizua has been playing very well of late, uh, and you have to look at the impact that Leighton Vanderish had on the run defense against the Buccaneers because he's the, 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 the quarterback of the defense, and it just made a tremendous uh, difference given that the Buccaneers have a pretty crappy run offense anyway, but they just completely shut them down. And uh, yeah, I do think it's going to be important because I think the Cowboys need to stop the 49ers run game because they want that pressure on Brock Purdy, just because of all the reasons we've spoken. Melissa Cuellar says, don't forget about Dorrance Armstrong. You could see back to special teams, right? Like we haven't seen a block in a while, right? Like Dorrance is kind of like that. That could be the the kind of like catalytic moment that, that flips this game in the Cowboys favor. Uh, we haven't had somebody given points in a while. Tom, you got some from Kevin uh, because Leighton Vanderish means so much more to the team than the average fan is willing to give credit for. David Howman, not on this episode of the roundtable, but that would be him. Uh, Brandon, quickly, Michael asks if your bandana is 49ers red. Do you have a thought on that? Uh, no, it is not. But you know what? Sometimes you have to wear the color of uh, your enemies um, to just show that you that you mean business. Mm, I'm not a um, a Dallas Mavericks fan, but I remember a long time ago, Jason Terry would wear the night before games, the shorts of the team he was playing, like he would sleep in them. So I think that's kind of cool. You, know? yeah. so, you got to have a lot of shorts, but I mean, it's difficult, like you're sleeping in hotels. It's a lot of coordination. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't devote that much effort, but Chris Holling, what is your nugget, your take or whatever you want to offer as the Cowboys get ready to visit the 49ers? 
Yeah, it kind of um, continues the Brock Purdy discussion, but it's more about our pass rush. I think our pass rush has to be really dominant because if you looked at that last game, according to um, according to um, a next-gen stats, uh, about one-third of Brock Purdy's 30 attempts against the Seahawks went to targets that had at least five yards of separation. That means he's throwing to receivers who are wide open. And our secondary is pretty banged up right now, so the best way to stop um, those receivers from getting wide open is to get in the backfield and get in his face before – they can get open. So I really think Mike is going to have to have a strong game. I think Donovan Wilson is going to even get some pressure off the edge. I think that DeMarcus Lawrence is going to have to make a big presence. I think that um, a, that uh, Durant's Armstrong, I think that all the front seven is going to have to get in Brock Purdy's face and make him make those mistakes that a seventh round rookie would make in a high pressure situation. I think if you just let him have all day and then let Kyle Shanahan get comfortable and scheme whatever he wants, it's going to be a long day for the Cowboys defense. They have way too many skill positions, way too many talented players to just let them be in rhythm. We gotta, we have to make sure that they're not in rhythm throughout the game. Tony Catalina, I mentioned Rob Stats Guerrero. He gave me this stat this week that I've lost, I've legitimately and literally lost sleep about. When the Niners have been in their base offense lately, that's Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Kyle Juszczyk. They have run 17 plays. This was last week alone. Of those 17 plays, they averaged 15 yards on each of them. Like, is that not? You know, like to Chris's point, like when when they're flying the way they want to fly, you know what I mean? Like they're it's more than a, it's a first down and a half. I mean, that's that's a very quick way to get to the end zone. So do you believe a pass rush is the best way to stifle that? Like it, it obviously all at some point comes back to Brock Purdy because he's the quarterback. But like is a pass rush the only thing that neutralizes this or is this a game where you've got to you've got to warp what you're doing with Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland because of how versatile these players are? I mean, yeah. Chris is right. The pass rush is obviously important every single week, but I would actually look at the back end first and kind of build that out backwards. Um, you got to play t- tough with these wide receivers. You got to kind of be physical. I love the fact that they had Izzy Mukwamu out there being a big physical guy and, and being able to kind of challenge and bring it to these wide receivers. Um, I say that to say because eventually that pass rush is going to get home. And now we're not playing Tom Brady, right? Brock Purdy is somebody that Tom Brady over years and his experience lets him know that there's a mental clock in his head. I have to get this football out. I have to, you know, this pass rush is coming. It's eventually going to get here. Brock Purdy might, you know, have a little hesitancy. You may, he may not read something correctly. He may, you know, pump fake. He might hold on to the ball. I think that's where the Cowboys in this pass rush could get, you know, home on that is the fact that the guys are winning on the back end. So, you know, it's really a chicken or egg thing. You know, a pass rush really feeds off of a good, uh, you know, back end and the same thing for the um, for the back end. So um, I, it's going to take a full, complete defensive effort. But I could see that the cornerbacks and the safety specifically having a huge part in uh, what happens good here. Tom, I think we were all a little surprised by the inactives list on Monday. Just kind of, OK, this is interesting, right? I don't, none of us were bothered, but it, it was a little bit interesting. Do you anticipate something different? Do you, do you think the Cowboys are, are saving the Sean Wright, saving, you know, Quentin Bohana for this game specifically? I mean, they kind of, you know, sort of, and you've written about this, we've all talked about this, but they kind of like built or stacked their deck over the final weeks of the regular season for the Bucks game specifically. Um, and so not that they were arrogant or narcissistic or overconfident, but, you know, they they they, they look at this like a marathon. And, and in a marathon, when you're on mile six, you got to be thinking about mile 18. Like you've, you've got to be looking ahead as well as focusing on the moment. Do you think that maybe we see a, an adjustment defensively in terms of literally the inactives and actives? Yeah, I don't know. You're at the point where the Cowboys are very fortunate in that they may have more than 48 
good players to roll out there. They actually could probably justify swapping two or three of these guys in and out, and it may just be what they see in practice. I do think that what happened uh, with uh, Israel Mukwamu is that they saw something with him in practice leading up to this, and he had you know, a breakout game for him. He had two pass breakups, uh, showed amazing talent and being able to get away with a little bit of pass interference with the referees not picking up on it. Uh, that's almost veteran savvy that you don't normally expect to see some such, a young, some such a young guy. I think they're just really looking at who they think is their best matchup. Uh, there may be like, maybe they decide they need Bohana for that size because of the uh, San Francisco run game. But I'm not, I don't know that we'll necessarily see a whole lot of change because they got to be pretty happy with what they've got. I think they're probably going to have one extra spot because of Jason Peters is probably not likely to Mm -hmm. play. Uh, So we'll just have to see how that develops. But I I think they, they have succeeded in getting as many good players ready for the playoffs as they could. And they were willing to sacrifice having a couple of bad games late in the season. And it, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble, but it paid off. Chris, did you raise your hand or were you just stretching? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I was just going to say, like, while we're talking about all the different options we have on defense, this was kind of a question that I kind of wanted to bring to, like, the whole round table is, do we, like, have any thoughts on, like, how we should match up in terms of, uh, Debo Samuel because I know Trayvon Diggs would typically travel and stuff but he was really like I felt like he was kind of like a small like kind of like downside to the game on uh, Monday night like he wasn't very physical he was kind of like like shying away from making the big tackle and I don't know I've seen some people tweet that like Trayvon should really you know just stay on Brandon Ayuk and then maybe put either Bland a more physical corner or even maybe move around Donovan Wilson more on Debo Samuel just try try different options and and like they have so many different um, skill position threats. So, so I feel like we have to make sure we match up in a specific way to kind of counter that. I just wanted to ask what you all thought about that. Tony. Yeah. I mean, I, you kind of stole the thunder in the back end there. How you said it is exactly how I would do it. I think Diggs and Ayuk are going to have to go, you know, toe to toe, like a heavyweight type of battle. We've seen Diggs take his lumps from Ayuk last year. I mean, Ayuk won some battles there in the back end and Triggs, uh, Diggs is going to have to find a way to, you know, come, come, out of that and, and win that but uh, I do think when it comes to Debo Samuel you're gonna have to match physicality right I think Bland and I think those guys are gonna the ones that are willing in the secondary to be able to to go out there and, and tackle and be physical with them is the best way to handle it and then that leaves you with J-Ron Curse to kind of fight that battle out with Kittle so I do think the Cowboys have a good uh, matchup plan of attack for the 49ers but it comes out to execution you can do anything you can set anything up but you know like mike tyson says everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth so we'll see what happens we have a question from the super chats but this question has inspired one that i'm gonna ask you paul um which cowboys rookie do you trust more in their matchup um i saw a tweet today from fox sports's david hellman that partly inspired this question tyler smith against nick bosa or deron blaine against Debo samuel tyler smith versus nick bosa i believe I just think the way how Tyler Smith developed so far this season to the left tackle position, I think he's going to be, don't get me wrong, Nick Bosa is going to be the biggest test all year for him. Um, but I think, I feel very confident he's going to be like able to kind of keep Nick Bosa at bay at the most of the times throughout the game. So, um, whereas like a uh, Bland, um, it's hard to say really, like I'm, <sighs> 
yeah, it's quite hard to say, but I, I just I generally feel more confident in terms of how Tyler Smith just established himself as a rookie, just basically being thrown into the trenches um, with that high expectation. Is he really has exceeded um, for the Cowboys right now, and he's really proved a lot of fans like he was the right choice in this year's draft. I'm stating the obvious here, but it really is quite the insane turn of events that we're all just cool with Tyler Smith going up against Nick yeah. Bosa, who's going to win defensive player of the year. Like we're all, nobody's like batting an eye about it. We're all like, yeah, look, I, I trust that. Cool. Like that one I'm worried about is Deron Bland. Like it's just a really, um, it shows you how funny and fluky uh, football can be sometimes. Brandon, I'm going to start off with you here and we'll go around the table. Uh, super chat from AJ Zamota. Thank you, AJ says, in your opinion, what do you think is more important? We're talking kind of matches, but AJ says to ensure a Cowboys win, the Cowboys containing Christian McCaffrey or Dak avoiding turnovers? I trust Dak. So which is more important for you, Brandon? Uh, I agree. Uh, to me, containing Christian McCaffrey is very important because I think you want to put all the pressure on Brock Purdy. I think that the reason why he was able to win against the Seahawks is that when you have Christian McCaffrey going out of the backfield for 60-plus yards, that kind of breathes a sigh of relief for Purdy not to do too much. I think if you put the pressure on him to do a lot more, he has struggled again like I said in the beginning of the game against the Seahawks he struggled a little bit with trying to do a little too much and then I think once Kyle Shanahan settled everything down for him made things easy like if he just dumps off a pass to Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk they could take it up the field 50 yards and it could be a five yard pass 10 yard pass so I think that if you take one of those things out of the equation i.e Christian McCaffrey and especially I mean you could look at it too in both ways in the passing game and in the running game because I think he's going to be used all over the field but we've seen games where Dak has thrown interceptions and the defense rallies gets a turnover right afterwards or the team rallies around Dak and then they end up winning the game so I don't think we've seen the Cowboys win a game necessarily when they don't handle a Christian McCaffrey but we've seen the Cowboys win a game when Dak turns the ball over would you agree Paul are you if you have to pick one you're okay with a few turnovers as long as you can effectively neutralize Christian McCaffrey 100%. I think if we can just stop the run, it actually kind of dampens, it forces Purdy to actually throw the ball. And as of right now, how our defense are playing right now, it's just, it's there for the taking, I think. So I think if we can just like uh, contain McCaffrey, I think naturally uh, our defense, uh, our offense can actually pick up the momentum and just go forward with it. So I trust that 100%. Tom, what statement makes you more giddy? Christian McCaffrey held to below. 40 total yards from scrimmage or Dak Prescott committed zero turnovers. I'm, I'm kind of going to go against the flow here because I think if Dak doesn't have any turnovers, I think the Cowboys can just win a scoring shootout. Uh, I just, I have a lot of faith in what the offense is doing. I think that uh, Kellen Moore is starting to, to really get into a rhythm. I think he pulled out some great plays. Uh, we saw some wide open, uh, patterns, uh, receivers that just had plenty of green space purely off of the scheme uh, against the Buccaneers. And I think if if that doesn't make mistakes, I think the Cowboys can get enough points that they can just uh, win the game in, in that kind of a shootout fashion. Tom, you're picking up points from Kevin a lot tonight, giving you five more, saying that is the right answer. Um, Chris, I think something we should say, to be fair to the idea, because we we all said, look, y'all are freaking out on this Dak thing. Like, what's he supposed to do? The ball was tipped off of Peyton Hendershot's hands in Tennessee. He had nothing to do with that interception. And I heard this point from Dominic Foxworth this week uh, on Mina Kimes' podcast. Dak was on the, the right end of luck on Monday night. Like, I, I think we would all agree there were a handful of, like, touch and go. Like, man, that was close. CD pulled that off. Dalton pulled that off. I mean, so, like, 
if if he went from one end of the spectrum to the other, Chris, it it stands to reason that at some point he's going to kind of find himself in the middle where he does turn the ball over once or twice, but it's not the ridiculous amount of times we saw in Jacksonville or Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think the way he plays, the way he started to play this season definitely does lead to more opportunities to turn the ball over. But that's also one of the qualities that makes him that much better than like a Cooper Rush or other more conservative quarterbacks around the league. I mean, he's able to extend plays. He's able to be aggressive and fit balls in the tight windows. And I think that that's why. Yeah, I think that I mean. I mean, if if I was answering the the um, uh, question earlier, I think it'd be more important to contain Christian McCaffrey just because I think Dak can get away with maybe one one or like probably one interception. But if Christian McCaffrey is just running all over us, then that's so much easier for Brock Purdy to get in rhythm again. You know, so like when you take away a team's run game, you're allowing uh, a lot more just um disruption, I guess, for the opposing offense. I definitely. Uh, I think it's fair to assume that Dak could throw some more interceptions, but I also don't want him to get super conservative because that kind of limits the playmakers we have like CD and Gallup and, and stretching the ball down the field. Mm. Uh, for what it's worth, Kevin notes that there were two games that Dak did not have any turnovers. The Vikings and the Bucks came on Monday night. The results tell you everything. So again, proving your point for you, Tom. Tony, I want to kind of shift to a different sort of question because the statement Dak had no no, no turnovers doesn't necessarily mean that he, he had five total touchdowns. It, it could mean that, you know, it was an incredibly conservative game plan, right? He maybe only threw the ball 20 times. Um, and I personally think that's where the Cowboys lose this game. This is not any kind of shade. This is not any of that. We all love Zeke Elliott, the player. But Tony Catalina, that cannot be the straw stirring the drink on Sunday afternoon. The Cowboys cannot go to San Francisco and say, we're going to run Zeke. We're going to wear them down. We're going to you know, milk the clock. We're going to, you know, whatever old school Cowboys, this is going to be Emmett Smith reincarnate. No, like you, you have to fold that. You have to give that up because the moment you commit to that the mo- is the moment you lose. Yeah, I think, and I think the Cowboys know that too. I think there is a much more fair, clear, um, you know, changing of the guard a little bit. And I think that's what's going to move forward here into the divisional round. Tony Pollard is the more explosive player. Um, Ezekiel Elliott serves a purpose in those short yardage. And I believe I didn't know the stat off the top of my head, but I know when it comes to third and short and fourth and short, he's like one of the best running backs in the league to be able to pick up that one yard. Um, and, you know, he had 12 touchdowns. And a lot of those are in short yardage situations. So there are values to a guy who can just punch it in, get you six when you can get it. But Tony Pollard's the spark plug. I mean, you even saw him run a slant that, you know, Dak had, you know, put right on him. He made a, you know, conversion on a play. Um, Tony Pollard needs his touches. He needs to go ahead and, and take some touches from Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott understands that he's a team player. And you're right. If, if they're going to lean on the running game, um, it's got to ha- it's gotta still be balanced. It's got to be with explosive plays in mind. And, and Ezekiel Elliott, like I said, will serve a purpose, but it shouldn't be the main one. Brandon, last year, the playoff game against San Francisco, very infamously did not feature much Tony Pollard, did not feature a lot of CeeDee Lamb. All due respect to Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson, that's that's not going to cut it, uh, particularly when you do have these dynamic playmakers on the field. Do you think that that is going to be a focus? Not not to the point of the Cowboys forcing the issue, but that they, they seemingly are aware that, that they kind of live and die with CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard as far as their skill position players are concerned. Yeah, uh, I, I think if we have a if the Cowboys have a similar game plan to what they had in Minnesota, where Pollard will leak out of the backfield and almost be a checkdown guy, when you get the ball in the hands like a Tony Pollard, I mean, big things can happen. He scored twice in that game off of receptions alone. So I do think that he provides a spark not only when you focus the play on him, but also too when he's just off to the side and and Dak just needs to make a move, you know, and not throw the ball away. I think that he provides a lot of value in that sense. And then also, too, with you mentioned CeeDee Lamb, I think that with what 
the Seahawks were able to do with DK Metcalf, they went right at Charvarius Ward, uh, ex Cowboy, you know, their, their kind of best cornerback. And he went over for 130 yards. And a lot of that towards the end of the game was in garbage time. But I do think that he had a lot of success early on. And it, it seems like that when you get him flustered, it seems like he starts playing a little bit back, you know, not as physical. And CeeDee Lamb has elevated his game this this year. And I think that if if you, if by any chance, if the Cowboys lose, lose this game and they put the ball in the hands of CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, I think fans will be a lot, feel more confident in the team moving forward, knowing that they're putting their best players in position to win try to win um rather than knocking the ball at all paul stewart it is your turn to hunt for gold what have you brought us yeah so my hunt for gold is leighton vandresh is the key to the defensive success you can expand on that or <laughs> yep yep so as you as you may have noticed back in the tampa bay buccaneers game when lve was back in the communication side from all aspects from the defensive line a to the linebacker and even dropping back into coverage, LVE was all over the field. So I think with him now being back into the squad, I think he's going to big play a major part in this game against San Francisco. Tom, it does kind of feel like um, you know, this this question floats around social media every so often. Like if if you could pull one Cowboys player from their prime and, and put them on the team right now, who would it be and why? It does kind of feel like this season the Cowboys plucked prime Sean Lee and 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 put him in the body of Leighton Vanderish. I mean. Is I don't I'm not trying to be silly, but but Tom, is this not? I mean, we 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 always dreamt of, of Prime Sean Lee getting this opportunity. Is that is that not what this literally is? Yeah, I I think that Vanderish may actually be a little more physically talented. Agreed. Uh, but Sean Lee had the advantage up here. He was just brilliant on the field, and I don't know whether Vanderish has just gotten a lot better or. Dan Quinn has figured out how to communicate this effectively to him so that he is just about as successful. Uh, I do agree with the fact that I think the return of LVE to the defense is, is one of the real keys of this game. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, and Tyler Biotish was a similar impact on the performance of the offensive line. Getting those two guys back for the playoffs, I think, may be – in retrospect, we may look in, at back at it and say that that was the source of most of the success that they have. Chris, we had talked about last week when when it was you know Leighton was going to be returning. Like this is a big deal because it's not just that you get Leighton back; it's that he makes everybody better. And we talked a lot about Demone Clark, but I feel like last week was kind of the best game that Anthony Barr has played as a member of the Cowboys. And Leighton Vanderish is a big reason for that. So it's like you know your defense is ev everyone gets like a like a ten point. You're a big Madden player, like Madden boost because yeah. Leighton Vanderish is on the field. Um, do, do you think he is outside of Micah Parsons the most important defender on the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday in San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think he's the uh, most valuable maybe outside of Micah Parsons. I won't say he's the most like like athletically talented or the right. most gifted, you know, but he definitely is the most valuable. You know, I just wrote an article today and it was published actually on Blogging the Boys where I kind of said the same thing that that uh, Layton was a huge part of the success. He was really like. I think that there was one play where uh, he wasn't able to get the defense lined up in the right spot. And he kind of covered two routes in the um, end zone. And like, he kind of forced like a high pass and an incompletion. I mean, like that's just all up here. And that's something that Sean Lee would have done. So, so like, I really do feel like we have a bigger and stronger uh, Sean Lee out there. And honestly, like, I know he deals with injuries too, but I think he's even a little bit more um, not injury prone as Sean Lee was. Cause you know, you know, he really struggled to be on the field. 
I think that Leighton is as valuable as as he's been in his entire career. And I think it's really a priority that Dallas has to resign him this offseason. Brandon, the biggest talking point about Leighton Vanderesh entering the 2008 draft season was that the dude was from nowhere, Iowa, Idaho, I've already forgotten Idaho, um, that, that he didn't even play organized 11 on 11 football forever, that, that he was king of, of seven on seven high school or you know whatever football and, and how that that helped him adapt to kind of figuring things out in space and coverage. Like this is that game. Like th- this is that, like you, you want to like put those skills to the test, like get on the same field as Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and, and Christian McCaffrey, because th- like in a way, like Leighton Vanders was kind of built in a lab in Idaho for this game specifically. Yeah, I think we've seen it, too. I think last season was his best game of the year. I think he had 14 tackles against the 49ers in the playoffs, something like that. I remember that was sort of his kind of coming out party that a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be back in the Cowboys organization because he had such a great way to end the end the year. I think that this is your type typical game for somebody like a Leighton Van Der Esch, where it's an old school linebacker where he's able to go downhill against a strong running team. I think that last week you saw that he was playing more in pass coverage more than ever before because the Cowboys weren't threatened by the Buccaneers run game. Now you're facing a team that has arguably one of the best running games in the NFL outside of maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears, stuff like that. But this is like his bread and butter. This is like you said, this is what he was bred to do, like born in Idaho or wherever, you know, the wolf hunter. This is the type of game where he comes out to play. And I do think, like you mentioned, like this is his game. This is his comfortability. This is where he feels good. And he didn't seem to play hesitant, which I think coming off of injury, everybody has, was sort of wondering what type of Van Der Esch are we getting? Are we getting somebody who's a little bit hesitant? But it seemed like that coming off of injury, whatever it was, he was ready to play two weeks ago, and, and that didn't even play a factor last week. Tom Ryle, give us your golden goose nugget, gate bridge, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, this little nugget is something I came up with uh, doing some research for uh, another wow. article. Okay, you congrats on reading, Tom. Good for you. Yes, I do occasionally do that. Uh, I even write a bit, as you might have noticed. If you can figure out, if you're a little concerned about pass rushes, because you know it's, it's both teams are trying to get the other quarterback, and if you're concerned about the pass rush, I think the Cowboys have an advantage in holding off uh, the 49ers because yeah, they've got Nick Bosa who led the league in sacks, but he accounted for 42% of all the sacks on the 49ers. Micah Parsons, as good as he is, he led the Cowboys, but he only had 25% of the team sacks. The Cowboys come at you from multiple directions with multiple people. Whereas if you can slow Bosa down, which, I've got a good deal of confidence that Tyler Smith, if he gets a little help occasionally, can do that. Then that's going to give Dak a lot of those plays we saw where he had plenty of time to survey the field and find the open man and get some chunk plays. And I just thought that was interesting because, you know, Bosa's going to probably win Defensive Player of the Year, but I think they may have to rely too much on him. And that kind of simplifies your uh, pass protection scheming and how you're going to attack them. Tony, I know you very famously haven't seen any movie ever, um, but but this does kind of feel like Thanos against the Avengers, right? Like like one big bad dude, admittedly, but but against a team, a fleet of superheroes that, that does have a front man, obviously, in Micah Parsons and some more important players and people and whatever. Um, do you agree with Tom? Do you, I mean, do you... This this sounds disrespectful. I don't think Tom means it this way, but like, do you feel like the Niners' pass rush is kind of a one man show? 
I mean, he brought the numbers when you, when you're, uh, you know, taking up 42% of the sacks, like it, that speaks for itself. Um, everybody knows that Nick Bosa is where it starts and it ends. You got it, Tyler Smith is com- I'm confident in his ability, but the Cowboys are going to have to scheme up and be advantageous in the help that they give him in key situations. Um, you know, it takes one play where, you know, it's, he he can change the course of a game. He can change the course of a season at this point. So, um, I, yeah, I, I do think that the Cowboys overall have a, a more complete pass rush, uh, a wide array of guys that can get after the quarterback, and I think that helps you be a stronger unit. But when you got a guy who's going to be, you know, defensive player of the year and a guy who's a first-team All-Pro, um, that, that speaks for itself. So while the numbers are correct, he is still somebody that the Cowboys are desperately going to have to pay attention to. Chris, this does kind of speak to why everybody maybe trusts Tyler Smith a little bit more, right? Like, if you can take Nick Bosa away, like, you can kind of handle the rest of the Niners defense versus even if you take Debo away, you know, on the Niners offense, you, you still have a, a litany of problems um, to kind of concern yourself with. Who would you say is the, the second, you know, defender? Is there a second defender on the Niners that you're, like, losing sleep over? Or is it really just kind of Nick Bosa and then there's 10 other dudes? Again, not to say there are other dudes, but you get my point. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other one I'd be kind of concerned about is Fred Warner. I mean, I think he's a really good middle linebacker, and he's definitely, I think he's one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL. So I'm kind of concerned about his coverage ability and his ability to stop our run. You know, I do think, you know, I'm I'm very much agreeing with you, RJ, that hammering Zeke is not the answer. I've kind of been off that train for a while now, but I do think getting Pollard involved is very important. I think he needs to touch the ball. He needs to get outside runs going. He needs to wear them down a little bit because I think it does make Dak's job easier as well when you have to focus on that. So I definitely would say that probably Fred would be the second defender I'm worried about. But overall, I think the Cowboys do have a much better defense in terms of just like just like all 11 guys. I definitely think that we have a more more well-rounded defense than uh, than uh, they do. All right. So um, that's going to um, sorry, I'm tapping up a banner here. That's going to conclude the gold mining session, Brandon. I hope that's cool. I have two final questions for everybody here. So we'll go around the horn, uh, so to speak. This is not around the horn, so not any sort of copyright infringement. Um, we all know who the superstars are on the Dallas Cowboys, right? The big name dudes, Dak Prescott, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, et cetera, et cetera. So my question that each of you will answer, and you can't repeat one another. So Tom is very fortunate that he gets to start this off. What non-superstar, if you could, would you guarantee an A-plus game from? So you have the ability right now to say this person, whoever I'm going to pick is going to have the game of their life. And again, like Dak is an obvious answer. Micah is an obvious answer. So please avoid the low hanging fruit. We're looking for things beyond that. So Tom Ryle, the pressure is on to go first, but you do have the field to choose from. I think we're about to see Michael Gallup really bust out because he was getting, he, yeah, remember, he started the Cowboys. To, to be clear here, Tom, just the spirit of the question is that you, if you could force the the great game from, not that you're trying to proclaim or predict. You know, like if you could craft the A plus game to come, for, would Michael Gallup be the player you would want to have the A plus game? Yeah, I'm still confident okay. with that because if you've got him out there producing really good, then all of a sudden that's going to help C.D. Lamb. That's going to help Dalton Schultz. Dak is going to be have have people that are either coming open or he's going to be able to feed Michael because he, you know, he's the one that's playing so well. And I think if you, if you had that, this is almost an unstoppable offense. I think the Cowboys would just rack up a bunch of points. I do think that if Michael Gallup went off, it would be indicative of the Cowboys offense kind of just having their way. Um, So that's a a really good answer. Tom, Kevin Chalker here has given you five points. 
uh, for that answer. So well done. Uh, Brandon Laurie, who would you pick? You cannot pick Michael Gallup, obviously, or any other superstar. Uh, do, do you consider J. Ron Curse uh, a non-superstar? He wears a C on his chest. I mean, yeah. so. All right, I'll go with another one. I'll, I'll say Malik Hooker. And I do think all three safeties will play a factor. But I do think that if Malik Hooker is having an A-plus game, that's because that they're able to bracket either Ayuk or somebody like a Debo Samuel. And if Purdy's trying to force it deep, if they get him in a situation where he's trying to throw it, we know Malik Hooker to be a superstar safety. We've seen it even in a breakout game against the, his former team, the Colts. I think that if if balls are flying in the air deep in his direction, you have confidence in him that you know he's going to intercept the ball. And I do think that someone like him as well, he's also a sure tackler. We saw even too against the Bucks, he had a few tackles where he's coming up to the line and not like none of these safeties are non-physical like safeties. Like all of them want to tackle. And I do think that him having that free range as well as the strong safety mentality, I think is going to bode well for the Cowboys and stopping somebody like an Ayuk and a Christian McCaffrey. Mm, I like this answer. That was a quick pivot, too, when you found out Javon Curse was not eligible. So Michael Gallup off the board, uh, Malik Hooker off the board. Paul, who are you taking and why? Uh, so I'm going to, well, before I answer, I just want to go full circle where you were talking about the Avengers there. I thought it was quite fitting how you kind of mentioned that, seeing we are America's team. So we've got Captain America on our team. Wow. That's so that there you go. Who would you um, say is the Captain America? Of, of the, is it Dak? It would have to be. It would have to be Dak. It would have to be. Right. Have okay. To be. That, that's a different um, conversation for a different day, like likening yeah, the yeah, Cowboys yeah. players to the so, Avengers. But go ahead. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, to my answer to your question, it uh, will be Tyler Bayadish. Uh, reason why, because how he's came back, especially against the Buccaneers, he really kind of brought the um, continuity back to the old line in that game. And just throughout the whole season, I think, yeah, this is just improved tenfold. And when you look back, even look back last season against the 49ers, he was probably without a doubt the best O-line, despite how difficult that game was. And that, so I think he will come out just like come out even better than he did last week. Okay. So we've got um we've got a wide receiver, we've got a DB, we've got an offensive lineman. Tony Catalina, who are you picking and why? So I'm going to tease a future article that I put in the queue here that will be coming out on Blogging the Boy soon. I do an underrated star every week, and this week I picked Izzy Mukwamu. And I think if he is able to be an A-plus player for us this week, it go a very long way. Uh, we've been looking for that third cornerback to come in and solidify the back end of that defense since Anthony Brown got hurt. And, you know, Deron Bland and other guys have had to kind of swap and make some moves. If he is able to be back there, I think we all trust Trayvon Diggs and we all trust Deron Bland. And if we want this pass, ru- pass rush to really get home and do their thing, I think we need another quality performance from Izzy Mukwamu. And if he's able to go out there and take out one of these receivers and, and kind of just play this quality back end of football like he did last week and build on that, I think it could go and pay a lot of dividends for this Cowboys team. Kind of like the Michael Gallup answer for me, that suggests other great things are happening, right? Because if Izzy is locking down the slot, presumably Deron Bland is kind of handling things outside opposite of Trayvon Diggs. And so that's that's the best of all worlds. Uh, Chris Holling, we've got Michael Gallup gone. We've got Malik Hooker, Tyler Biotish, and Izzy Mukwamu. Who are you taking? Yeah, I definitely have the hardest spot here, but I'm going to go with Brett Maher. I think he comes back oh, with a vengeance. I, I was going to take think Brett he Maher. Com- well I think done. he comes back with the revenge game, man. You know, in the um, uh, practice today, he apparently went six for six and 20 mile per hour wins. I mean, he's feeling the pressure, you know, like they just signed a backup to kind of, you know, you know, like a little bit of insurance just in case. I think he comes out and I think he hits, you know what, I'm predicting he hits two 50-yard field goals for us. 
I think he's going to be on the money. I think he's going to make up for his performance. And I think that everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we even questioned if he was good at all. You know, I think it's time for people to continue to have faith in him because we all felt like he he was a wrong decision at the beginning of the year and we were all proven wrong. So I think it's time to stick with him. I will say sports can be very powerful. We all understand that and very emotional. And I, I, I don't want to predict or forecast, but I would say, Tom, if Brett Maher is on fire, I do think that could be like a rising tide that lifts all boats, so to speak, from an emotional standpoint. Like that could tr- like it sounds silly and trivial because it's a kicker, but like that could truly inspire this team based on the events that we saw Monday night. Yeah, I, I do think I think I think they're looking to rally around his success. They're, they're wishing for it so much. I think that would just give them a real emotional lift, a little extra spark. And, you know, this is the kind of a game where every advantage you can get helps. So, yeah, I would not be surprised to see that work out that way at all. Tony, my last question on Maher. I was on the treadmill earlier, not trying to brag or anything, but uh, I was on the treadmill and I was thinking about this. And in a weird way, the Brett Maher thing has been the story. Like there has been no talk about anything like that. That has sort of absorbed all of the attention and kudos to Brett for um, sort of indirectly falling on that grenade. But like that could wind up being like, how did we miss this? Like, how did you know, how did the, the you know, how did the national people underrate or undervalue the Cowboys? Well, it's because you were focused on the low hanging fruit of Brett Maher. Yeah, I mean, I think because it was the only thing that didn't go perfect for the Cowboys on Monday night, right? I think it's you score four touchdowns and you can't and you can't, you know, complete the mission with an extra point and you get Dak Prescott screaming on, you know, NFL mic'd up, you know, go for two points and um so I think it was just it was a nice topic for a game that otherwise wasn't really a competitive one. So I think if Brent Maher can go out there and kind of exercise those demons because he needs to that first one, I don't know if anybody's going to breathe, right? As soon as he's out there, I don't care if it's 25 yards, 33 yards, 50, like we're all going to be collectively holding our breath on that. And I really, really hope that he is able to come through. I was really going to take Brett Maher, Chris. So, um, so well done. I will say quickly, um, Kevante Turpin, um, if Kevante Turpin, you know, this you're gonna have to score and 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 things are not gonna go your way like it, so if you can flip field positions if if you can whatever the case may be that is a an advantage i mean we've, we've seen the cowboys have one of the better special teams groups by dvoa standards all season long be that guy cavante be be that dude so that would be uh, my answer but i really wanted brett maher um okay the time has come uh for predictions so as i get this uh, up on the screen you can predict whatever you want. If you want to offer a bold, small, little, you don't have to do anything. Even if you just want to give the score, who wins? What happens? We're going to go reverse order. Chris Halling, you're up first. All right. I'm facing a lot of pressure on this answer because I got last week's score exactly right on the round That's table. That's true. I, I didn't even say that. that. You, you nailed yeah. it last I week. I did. So I predicted 31 to 14. And it this ended is, up This being is Brett true. Maher's first field goal. Like we're all like waiting on with bated breath right here. Chris. Yes. So I did just say Brett Maher hits. Hits 250-yard field goals, so I have to keep that into account. I can't, you know, kind of go off of that. So I'm going to predict Cowboys win 27-17. to That's what I think is going to happen. I think that we are going to make Brock Purdy make mistakes. I think we're going to score three other offensive touchdowns. Math is correct. Yeah, three plus six. That's, yep, okay. And he also hits all three extra points. And he hits all three extra points. He's going to be perfect from the field. I think that uh, we win 27 to 17 and we advance. And I think the Giants are going to upset the Eagles. So I think the Cowboys will be hosting the NFC Championship game. It would be funny um, if the Cowboys put up 27 points to get to the NFC Championship game for the first time in 27 years, um, Chris. So I don't know if you did that on purpose. Um, totally Tony, Catalina. On purpose, <laughs> Tony Catalina, um, what do you got? So I'm going to 
I think that obviously the Cowboys are going to win a football game. I think it'll be to the tune of 23 to 16. I think the 49ers defense is good enough to kind of keep us from scoring our average. Uh, but I also think that the Cowboys are going to be able to frust- frustrate Brock Purdy enough to not really um, be able to do anything or get into his rhythm. And I think it's going to be super important to get out to a fast start. I think we see with this Cowboys team that they always play better when they're clicking early. But I think it's going to be more important, even vital to say, to be able to kind of get in Purdy's face make him make some mistakes and try to get off the field quick so i think 23 to 16 brett maher does his job the cowboys advanced to the nfc championship since the first time 27 years uh paul very quickly before your prediction there was news about the international slate of games uh today in the nfl so quickly update that on on that update us on that and then your prediction Yes, so uh, the NFL released a statement saying that the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills are coming to London with the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs are going to Germany as the host teams. Um, With all those teams, uh, Buffalo are pretty much on our radar in terms of the schedule uh, for next year. Um, But my gut feeling is it's very unlikely that's going to happen because that's pretty much prime for primetime TV and with how the logistics work, et cetera, et cetera, late game, public transportation, et cetera, I don't think it what makes sense to have the game late in London that time. So I think they'll probably want to have that back in the US in like Monday Night Football or something like that. Just to be clear, the only possible international game for the Cowboys next year, based on the teams that are playing yes, internationally, is, is the Buffalo Bills. And you're just, saying just, you don't just, think it's going to be the case. You think it's another year where Dallas only plays their games locally here in the United States. I believe so. Um, it, I think it's just I think it's just too much of a big of a game. It could be potentially maybe even be the season opener, depending who, if Buffalo makes it to the Super Bowl. And who knows? What do you mean if um, Buffalo? What the hell, Paul? I mean, I'm, I'm oh no, that, the game's in Buffalo. That's right. Okay, my bad. Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm backing off. My bad. Yeah, so um, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's um, of all the other teams that are there, the host nations, they're already playing against them, etc. So um, I made a tweet kind of outlining all the possibilities in that. But my gut feeling, I think it's going to be Las Vegas versus Buffalo for the London game and not Dallas. Mm, maybe Tom Brady there to see uh, the Buffalo uh, who knows? to dominate. Okay, Paul, prediction, Cowboys Niners. Right, so my original prediction, I was going to say 31-24, but more I kind of think about it now, I am going to go even bigger than that. I'm going to go 41-24 Cowboys. Okay, all right. Paul is... We're we're making a statement in this game. Okay, we're all like really nervous, uh, but Paul is, you know, going to sleep well, it sounds like, for the next couple of days. Brandon Lloyd, um, who wins and uh, whatever else you want? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, the Chiefs scored 44, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, good job on that, Paul. I- I'm not as confident. I'm going to price is right, Tony, on this one. I'm going to say 24-17. Mm. Uh, I-, I do think that actually, like, to up the ante a little bit, I think there's going to be a defensive touchdown, and whether that's a strip sack or an interception, I think we're going to see just something happen, like a chip in the armor of Brock Purdy that people are going to be like, oh, well, this has never happened before, and he's never dealt with a frustrating situation. It's always been birds and sunshine for him right now, so I think that the Cowboys are going to wreck shop and it's going to cause a lot of pressure and chaos for him. And I think we're going to see kind of him flutter in that situation. Thomas Ryle. I'm picking the Cowboys to win 34 to 28. And one thing that I, I I'm predicting we're going to see is we're going to, if you watch closely, you're going to notice people are starting to flinch. If they know Donovan Wilson is in the area because he laid some wood against Tampa Bay and he's been doing that all year but it kind of stood out where he was just stopping people dead in their tracks 
And that may be kind of the answer for, for the Debo's and the Christians out there on the on the 49ers is they may start getting a little nervous because they know Wilson has got them in their sights and is coming in. Mm. Okay, so five Cowboys wins from you all. I'm going to take the Cowboys to win. And part of it is I didn't come this far to not. I mean, you know what I mean? And, I'm, and I've said this before. I've tried so hard in the past to, to, like, pick with my head. And where I have changed this entire season, and it's been kind of a cathartic experience, is I want to pick with my heart. And and this team has kind of helped me come to terms with that. And so I'm picking with my heart. I'm picking the Cowboys to win. Um, if we need a score, I'll go 33-17. I, I, and, but I, I think that that is, is kind of a late touchdown to kind of put it away. And, and, you know, everybody kind of starts high-fiving on the sidelines. I don't think it's, it's that bad. Um, you know, it's just something that happens late. I will say something, a, a little bit of a bold prediction. I kind of agree with Brandon a bit. And I kind of agree with the man's a bit. Mike, the man says Michael Gallup with the new catch, Cowboys 2024. There's going to be a moment in this game that is like ingrained in our minds forever. I, I don't know if it's a moment that becomes a statue, but it's a moment that like everybody will put as their iPhone wallpaper. Like it, it is going to be something that we remember, we name, we come up with a nickname for something like that. Brandon, you had a point. Uh, what if my, Mike McCarthy does the how about them Cowboys? Would that be uh, I mean, I don't know. That would, that would be pretty awesome. I thought it was the lamest thing in the world when John Elway did the this one's for Pat. Um, but I thought that because I'm a Cowboys fan, right? Like it had to have been the coolest and sickest thing in the world if you were a Broncos fan. Um, if Mike McCarthy did that, I, it would. I think it would be the coolest thing in the world. I, I, I would. I might. I might cry. Like I'm. <laughs> like I'm, I'm being Tony. You're nodding, Tony. I think you would actually shed some tears. I mean, I've never, I mean, my, just for perspective, my wife wasn't even born the last time the Cowboys went to the NFC championship game. So like for me, it's, yeah, I've never seen this. This would be new territory for me as like, it just, it's, yeah, I would get emotional to be honest with you. Um, Paul, you had something. Yeah. I think that if, if, if the Cowboys were to go out and win, I think the thing we're going to be at least expecting is to see Mike McCarthy do the worm. That would be awesome. Um, it'd be interesting from a physical perspective. Um, oh Yeah. I do have a secondary prediction, and I don't know if any of you agree with me, um, but Brandon, you have looked a lot like Ken Norton Jr. in the 1992 America's Game episode, and he said this then, um, and, and granted, they beat the Niners in the title game, but who, if the Cowboys win this game, I they will blast whoever they play in the title game. That is my prediction. There is no way that, that they play a close game next week because they will have gotten through Tom Brady and the big bad 49ers. If they have to go to Philly, so what? If they host the Giants, to your point, Chris, even more. They will blast whoever they play next week if they get through this game. Does anybody disagree? No, I agree. That was one of my points. I was going to say that I think whoever wins this game is going to represent the uh, NFC in the um, Super Bowl. So I, I, I know it's going to be the Cowboys, but I'm just saying. I do mm, think right. yeah, I'm, I'm sharing that same sentiment. H with hedging you. that bet. All right, well said. Um, well, there will be a winner on Sunday afternoon. Uh, there is a winner now, and this is all about, um, again, like heading out west. That was you know Brandon's point and, and kind of seeking prosperity, seeking new life, wanting to become a champion sort of thing. That's what we're all obviously hoping the Cowboys are able to accomplish. There is a kind of natural American underdog story there. Um, the underdog story of the BTB roundtable, Tony Catalina. This has to be your roundtable, Tony. An outright win. No, you know, somebody picked you. No duels. No, this is your title. Hang the banner, Tony. How do you feel? It feels great. I mean, this is a divisional round. This is a game that, uh, you know, it means a lot. I mean, when we're doing two roundtables in a week, you know it's important. And to win one of them uh, makes me feel like a champion. Wow. Do you want to share with anybody or do you want to keep it to yourself? I kind of want to keep it to myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> mm. Chris, do you feel robbed? I feel pretty robbed, yeah. But wow. 
It's okay. Uh, it's all props to Tony. Tony killed it as always. DJ Doc has asked for a speech, Tony. So it's it's halftime or it's pregame. You're Mike McCarthy. What do you want to tell us? I need a watermelon and a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'll take care of the rest. I really do. Like now that we kind of bring that up, I think Brandon, you're right. I, I and I don't think Mike McCarthy will have the like howl, you know, that, that Jimmy Johnson had, but it will be like the way he walks off the post game press conference. Like it, like a cool, kind of calm, like just like a surly statement, like, how about them cowboys? And, and like I'll be like, You son of a like it, it'll be like that kind of energy. And so um, wow. All right, Tom, do you have anything else to add? Or Tony, you raised your hand. Yeah, I was just saying, like, I could see Mike, like, saying something like, not bad for some bums or something, you know what I mean? Because they've been talking about Mike and taking Dak's job, and, like, I think if they made it there, he'd be like, not bad for some guys you wanted out of here. Yeah, or or something like, imagine if we hadn't been on a short week. Like, just kind of, like, attacking yeah. the, like, things that people are, are pointing out. Wow. Uh, that's well said. Tom Ryle, anything you want to leave us with? I just love the fact that all of a sudden nobody's talking about whether uh, Mike McCarthy is going to be out of here. Because I think people are suddenly realizing the Cowboys might have the guy they need. Um, this is my last thing, and then we'll kind of get out of here. I'm truly interested. Like, beyond the fact that I'm excited, this this is what Mike McCarthy was hired for. Like, we, we've been waiting for this moment for three years. Like, this is a, 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 a focus experiment on, on some level. Like, it is literally, you know, something. It is a test that we have been waiting for the opportunity to see this team with this coach specifically pass. Um, so I'm kind of anxious for the results. We didn't get that chance last year. So, um, okay, Tony, um, you know the rules. You won the roundtable. You get to pick somebody who is not me to make a sound. I am going to pick the sound for you because you struggle in that department. Yeah. Um, given the theme of everything here, um, given the theme of the team that we root for, you get to pick somebody to give us their most rip-roaring yeehaw. I mean, it's got to be branded, right? It has to be. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't want to choose for you, but I'm, I'm glad you went that route. <laughs> you ready? You ready? Everybody ready? Yeah! Oh. How do they lose after that? <laughs> <laughs>